The Start On Demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Labor Day edition of the podcast for The Start, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And today on the podcast, you're going to hear from a kindergarten teacher who's been at it for quite some time with some tips on how to get ready if your kids are going into kindergarten for the first time. We're also going to talk about school speed zones. They are back in action. It's September. It's already September. Reaction recap on the Labor Day Classic. Bombers now below 500. And fans are starting to feel like the season might be slipping away. I went on a Le Burger Week adventure. I want to tell you about Obi-Wan Pierogi. I also want to tell you about my favorite five school movies. Producer Kyle put together a bracket of the top 32 movies about school. I picked my top five What's your favorite? And we'll give you some tips on how to prepare the perfect back-to-school lunch. Enjoy the podcast. Time to hunker down this week as uh, things get serious. I mean, hey, enjoy this final day of summer vacation because for thousands of students and their parents, Loren, it is back to school later this week. Yeah, Stacey Dobbin is a kindergarten teacher at Heritage School in St. James Assiniboia Division. She has been in the classroom for 18 years and has a pretty good sample size to judge from when it comes to analyzing where kids were on the academic scale when she started and just how they're doing now. The kids are similar. I wouldn't say they're any smarter. I think a lot more kids are coming with some social emotional uh, needs that's not me saying that just as a teacher that's in the um, developmental stuff that uh, healthy manitoba has done kids social emotional needs are a lot higher than they used to be their physical needs their gross motor is lower than it used to be but as for academics i know that with kindergartens you know what they might come in um, at a certain level and if even if it's at a lower level they're just little sponges and they just want to achieve everything and they do so well. So we asked, has the classroom remained more of a challenge, less of a challenge or somewhere in the middle? It isn't any easier. I would say my job's gotten harder over the years. The needs of kids is way more than it used to ever be. Plus supporting the parents and the families and, and all the things that these little kids are going through in their lives, not even at school, but outside of school. I think the one thing or the couple things that I have learned in this 19 years is the most important thing is to develop a relationship with every student. If you don't develop a relationship with those students, you're not going to get them from step A to step B. To just find a way to bring happiness to every day of their life because we don't know what they're coming from and just to make school fun. My ultimate goal and the reason I love doing my job still so much is that every kid leaves my classroom with a love for learning. When they leave our school and I get to say goodbye to them in grade five is that I feel that they are going to step out and be able to be a good community member. We have one more clip of Stacey Dobbin, a kindergarten teacher at Heritage School in the St. James Assiniboia Division. She's been in the classroom for 18 years, but she mentioned something in there saying that things have gotten a little bit more difficult in terms of the needs 
of kids which have changed over the years, you know, as we start to think more and more about things that maybe we didn't think about 25. For example, food allergies, Mm -hmm. which when I was a kid, I don't even knew that, I don't think those words were even in my vocabulary, not just because it wasn't, uh, like, I brought peanut butter sandwiches to school every day, for example, every day of, like, I think my entire scholastic career. Um, You sent me something the other day, Greg, about food allergy bullying? I couldn't believe that this was a thing. You know me. I'm perusing uh, different articles and listening to different radio stations from around North America, you know, whenever I can to get different ideas for us to discuss. And I think I said in the text message to you, we are truly awful as human beings to imagine that this is a thing where kids get bullied for the fact that they do have a food allergy, either by parents and maybe more commonly by the kids. Uh, it's your fault that I can't have a peanut butter sandwich. Or they've done things. I've read articles where uh, high school kids for a joke smeared peanut butter on yes. the locker of a student. Uh, my son uh, is anaphylactic to peanuts and tree nuts, so it could kill him. And even on a plane ride home, uh, the, the the flight attendants are very good about it, but even the flight attendant joked and said, I've got peanuts in my pocket. Just kidding. And I was like, this isn't funny, ma'am. We're trying to get everybody around us just in right. a row. Just if they have nuts, we'll happily buy them another snack. We don't want you to eat them around my kid if that's good with you. And so I know that for the most part, people aren't doing it to be mean. But if you stopped and think think about it, right? I mean, I mean, my son gets nervous just being in an aisle in a grocery store with nuts because he knows he can't touch that, right? So if you're joking around about having peanuts in your pocket, that's not a joke. No. And I just wonder how many kids had an EpiPen or the, you know, the teacher had an EpiPen and we just didn't know that they had when we were younger that our classmates had these allergies. I know at my boys school, there's pictures. (laughs) See, here it is right here. It's almost like a most wanted list, right? In terms of who has what. And I joke about that, but I don't know. Like, I think my kids are pretty respectful. And whenever I've been at the school, it seems as though they're incredibly respectful of the fact that the kids have these issues. So I think it might just be a matter of time. I hope so, because I think... I think it's more the parents that are worked sure. up about it than and the I kids. And I think for the kids, I, I will say we've encountered 90% fantastic parents uh, fellow students, the teachers are amazing. But just, you know, if, if you're stressed about not packing that in your kid's lunch, I'm stressed about my kid going to school and and me getting the phone call that he's being rushed to the hospital, right? So I appreciate it that, that peanut butter is like a number one food. I get it. And eggs and dairy and fruit are being added to that well, list. Fish, I understand. Fish, I, I know. No and, tuna anymore, pretty much. And when they get older and he can manage that better and he, can say, he knows how to monitor his own sim- symptoms and to give himself an EpiPen, I will maybe be less stressed, but right now he's not even six, and I'm putting my faith in that system to take care of him every day. Well, and if there is some advice that this very experienced kindergarten and elementary grade school teacher, Stacey Dobbin, can offer, she says parents should be throwing all their eggs in the academic achievement basket. We want them to be able to go out and be a good community member and do good things for society. And that, to me, is probably more important that they have the social skills, they have the ability to emotionally deal with the things that they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and that whole mindfulness. That's a huge part of my kindergarten classroom is helping the kids have those skills and to continue with 
all those skills for the rest of their life. Stacy Dobbin, a kindergarten teacher at Heritage School in St. James Assiniboia Division. We're actually going to, of course, it's back to school week, so we always do lots of back to school stuff. But this week in particular, we're going to be focusing quite heavily on back to school as we have a series of stuff planned for you to run throughout the week and actually throughout the morning. Next hour, we're going to hear uh, from a psychologist on the uh, subject of back to school, a clinical psychologist who spent 10 of her more than 30 years working the school system before opening her own practice. And later this morning, we're going to have some fun with back to school movies. Movies about school. I've picked my top five movies about school, and then producer Kyle has set up a bracket, like a March Madness style. (laughs) September Madness. September silliness? No, it's madness. (laughs) I would say that this week is madness for most teachers, parents, kids. We're excited, but it's a bit mad. Yeah, Yeah, it's mad for sure. And, you know, in terms of the kids uh, and their uh, whether they're smarter or not, I, you know, Stacy's a teacher who we heard from, and and so I'm not going to argue with her. But my perception is, uh, the conversations I'm having with my kids and their friends right now pale in comparison to the conversations I know I was having with my parents and our adult friends when I was younger. Uh, well, there's academic I'm smarts. I'm blown and away. I'm blown away by what kids know these days. There's street smarts. There's different things they know now just because of, I think, social media and all the rest that's opened them up to a whole new world that we weren't a part of. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb with you on this Labor Day Monday. And with the onset of September, McNabb, it means it's time to slow down. Yeah, the kids aren't back in class, but reduced speeds in school zones have returned, meaning you have to drive today 30 kilometers per hour around all 171 Winnipeg schools. And while it might be a holiday, the sign reads Monday to Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. So as Winnipeg Police Traffic Sergeant, Staff Sergeant Sean Pollock explains they're going to be out there today watching you. Even though the fact that school may be out at, uh, at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, we certainly expect even after the school zone itself has gone back to, and I'd use the term normal speed limit, these are areas that kids congregate within our neighbourhoods. They're the areas that have the play structures and the baseball diamonds and the hockey rinks. We have to be mindful of that. And even though we may be outside of those school zone hours, we still ask that all the drivers in Winnipeg be mindful of the fact that kids are out there. They may not be as aware as we would hope they would be. And I can promise you, as mentioned, that an ounce of prevention is well worth the pound of cure. Now, police wouldn't say if they're going to be handing out warnings or tickets today. In June, Police Chief Denny Smythe said he would be open to not enforcing the limits on holidays, saying he's heard what people are saying about getting tickets when kids are not even in school. Some people calling it a cash cash grab because you don't have those kids out on the playground. Look, I'm totally in favor of the 30 kilometer an hour school zones. I know it's altering the route a lot of people are taking on their daily commutes. And I think that's one of the side benefits of having these things in place is not risking the chance of getting a ticket and not going through that slower traffic. So you go on a more suitable route, uh, a regional street that is designed for you to commute because let's face it, it can be frustrating to get to work and get where you need to go in Winnipeg. And people have their shortcuts, and for years those included school zones. So even someone like me, who's totally in favor of enforcing these things, I hate the fact that they don't either do this all year round 
or the fact that they will uh, pick and choose like on uh, December 23rd or a day like today. Right. Either either it's, it should be enforced every single day of the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, like they do in Calgary in a lot of zones, or it should be Monday through Friday, 12 months of the year. Like uh, this picking and choosing really, I think, has a, a, a effect of turning people off that would normally be in favor of this sort of uh, implementation, these sort of uh, rules. I think Come. you break the habit. Sorry. Go ahead, Brad. No, no. You, um, you see, get I'm, not, I'm never watching the clock. I'm just yelling things no, out. No, I didn't. I didn't. See, I'm, I, I'm supposed to My give the signal. My final word is you're happy. I, I want to see it consistent until I get that ticket on a Christmas day, and then I'm going to be annoyed. So Christmas day. Merry, yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Here's a ticket. No one's in school. The news never stops. As one of our old colleagues used to say, what, no, he actually used to say, sports never sleeps, they just keep playing. So, in this case, the news never sleeps. Good point. No matter where you look in the world, there's got to be some game going on. Yeah. So I, we're I, I'm really interested to know who said that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I, you don't remember who? Oh, I... You remember who? Yeah, I know He's exactly. He's not going to say. No, I can't say. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> Some people probably lying in bed right now with the covers over their head, not wanting to face the day. Blue Bomber fans, Mm. pretty upset. Like, days after losses are pretty tough. Yeah. Whether you're a fan or a player, right? Especially, I find it more insulting when you have the next day off, which I didn't today, which is maybe why I'm fine. But because you make a thing out of it, like friends who had, you know, people over for wings and beer and all the rest, and then the day ends at 5 o'clock and everyone's just like... I'll just go home and pretend I do have to work tomorrow because, like, I got nothing to get excited about. No, no reason to continue to party. Well, how good are your friends? If, if you know, a loss by the Blue Bombers, uh, this is what they do. Thirteen of the last fourteen years is yeah. lose on on Labor Day Sunday. So uh, we're used to this by now. But it was definitely a disappointing result for the Blue Bombers and their faithful in Regina yesterday. As mentioned in Kelly Sports, I think I just said it for the 13th time in the last 14 games on Labor Day weekend. The team in green and white defeated the team in blue and gold. In fact, at Mosaic Stadium, Brett, Mm. the porta potties, guess what color they are outside Mosaic Stadium? Blue and gold. Really? Oh, well done. Mm-hmm. Wow. Started with the Matt Nichols interception on the opening drive that the Rough Riders return to the Winnipeg one-yard line. Marshall, a starting cornerback, takes the snap, moves to his right, and stumbles but gets in for the touchdown. First and ten bombers, Ryder 31, Saskatchewan ahead 7-3. Nichols, a little fake, and he'll throw it to the corner. Tompkins, touchdown. Ken Brell Tompkins, touchdown, Blue Bombers. Medlock to punt from deep in his own end, a driving spiral. Jones at the 45. Christian Jones makes one bomber. Oh, he got away. Jones to center field. The bomber 50. The 45. It's not Jones. It's down to the 25. The 20. Saskatchewan touchdown. First and goal at the 10-yard line. And he'll fake a handoff. Roll right. And throw it deep in the end zone. Darvin Adams. Catches it for a touchdown. Well, they're deep now at the Bomber 25, first and 10. Ball right in the middle of the field. Fig pen motions out of the backfield, so six receivers out for Kolaris, who's back to pass. Has time deep in the end zone all along. Touchdown. Fig pen.
Marshall under center. And there's the snap off the right side, and he goes in for the touchdown with a minute six left. Final score, Saskatchewan 31, Winnipeg 23. No time for sulking. These two teams go back at it Saturday at IGF. And uh, Brett, for the second consecutive week, the Bombers led their opposition by a field goal at halftime yesterday, 17-14. The Blue Bombers managed only six points in the second half. Bob Irving asked Matt Nichols what went differently in the second half. We had our opportunities and... uh... You know, we just couldn't take advantage, and um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I feel like I've, I've taken pride the last few years of, you know, leading us down for game-winning field goals and touchdowns, and uh, we had a couple opportunities there, and you know, I just feel like we couldn't get that initial first down to get going, so, um, you know, I'm sure I'm disappointed in myself that we couldn't capitalize on that when we had that opportunity, and I mean, it's just, you know, it's a disappointing one. You know, you guys really controlled things on both offense and defense in the first half. You must have come out feeling very confident about the rest of the game. Yeah, for sure we did. And uh, I mean, it felt like we you know, felt like we were doing some good stuff all game long. And uh, huh. I don't know. I mean, they just they just made a couple more plays than us, I guess. And uh, um, I don't know. We got to be better. I got to be better. Now, the Rough Riders had answers for the bomber passing game. Nichols threw two interceptions to go with a less than spectacular 166 yards passing. On the positive side of the ledger, the CFL's leading running back continues to impress. 15 carries, 158 yards, an outstanding game for Andrew, but uh, I'm sure, Andrew, that doesn't taste as good as it would if the score was different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's one of those one of those games where... You know, you feel like, you know, everything's going well. I mean, the run game is going well. We were, you know, able to do all those in the past game. And I feel like, you know, the first half, other than those big, those two big plays, I mean, uh, we're up probably 20, 17, nothing. Or, so, I mean, it's, uh, I can't put my finger on it right now without watching tape, but this, this one definitely stung. That is Andrew Harris, who now has 963 rushing yards on the season. Coaches show tomorrow night on 680 CJOB. No question, more fans will be clamoring for Chris Streveler to see more time on the field. Matt Nichols' backup was one for one for 10 yards, which happened to be a touchdown pass to Darvin Adams in the second quarter. But Greg, you've used the term a couple of times in recent weeks. Fans can sense, can smell the season slipping away. Is that happening? I'm going to say it is slipping away. Uh, The first time since 2015 that the Bombers have actually lost three games in a row. I'm not suggesting they can't win on Saturday. In fact, I I would predict that the Bombers do win on Saturday. They have a great record in terms of coming back. Uh, Banjo Bowl Saturday against Saskatchewan. Uh, It's a bounce back game uh, to be sure. It's one that they need, but they they needed something more in Calgary. They needed something more yesterday and they're just not getting it. And I'm not going to pile on Matt Nichols, but I'm going to suggest that they're not getting the production that's required from their quarterback in particular yesterday. When you have a running back like Andrew Harris, who is the leading rusher in the league by a long shot, averaging 10 yards per carry that should typically open up the passing game. So would it be different for you if they say the score was by one or two yesterday? Doesn't matter. And he had done well. He had a good game. 
like, let's talk about that, right? Because you're looking at the very specific game of Matt Nichols. If he had had a good game, but we just didn't get the win, would you be feeling better today? Is that a thing for you? Yes. 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 And uh, I thought you were going to say if, you know, the score had been closer, but had Matt Nichols uh, performed a little bit better, 53% completion percentage, that's not going to win you a lot of games in the Canadian Football League, in any football league. Uh, The quarterback is the most important position on any football team in any league, and uh, the Blue Bombers simply are not getting exceptional play at that position, and it's it's costing them opportunities to win games. I know a lot of people are going to say the defense is not very good. Well, they only gave up 17 points yesterday, and they performed quite well. They gave the Blue Bomber offense an opportunity to get the ball back in the fourth quarter two separate times. They held Saskatchewan, forced them to punt the ball and give the offense an opportunity uh, to do something with it, and they plain and simply did not. Six points in the second half, six points in any half is just not going to win a lot of games in the CFL. Just looking at uh, the remainder of the Blue Bomber schedule here, and so it's obviously Riders this upcoming Saturday, Uh, but then after that they play Montreal, a team with a losing record, but Edmonton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Edmonton, all teams with better records than the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Bombers have yet to beat a team with uh, an above 500 record. That's very concerning. Yeah, especially as we head into, not, don't want to say the home stretch just yet, but as we head into the the final few weeks of the CFL season, Bombers are under 500, 5 and 6. It's hard because I think this time of year too, it's fall and you start to feel, whether you have more games left or not, you feel like we're in the home stretch now and you feel like your time is running out as a result. Well, because it, it literally is. <laughs> <laughs> Did I use that word properly? Literally is. Yeah. yeah. In this case. favorite word. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So Saturday night, I went out for dinner at a place called Cafe Carlo on Lilac. You ever been there? No. It's just a little place. It's kind of a blink and you miss it kind of place, but went there for dinner. I had pesto chicken. It was very good and uh, highly recommend it. Great service, great food. After that, we walked over to the Grove for drinks and it was quite busy on a Saturday night. And I don't want to say everybody, but many people, this is like 1030 at this point, they're like they're just bringing out plates of burgers for everybody, and then I remembered, oh my god, it's La Burger Week. And then were you mad about the chicken, or still like I got time? No, I love no, I love the chicken. <laughs> I did not. The Grove has something called the Purple Rain, a six ounce patty with roasted garlic and truffle aioli, red cabbage, onion, and apollonia slaw, bacon, onion rings, jalapeno. Or jalapeno, if you're a Trailer Park Boys fan, uh, Swiss Mornay sauce, and blueberry coulis on a roasted garlic potato bun. Mm. So that sounds pretty good. You're not kidding. You can't even look at this list of burgers for Burger Week without oh. salivating. Like, And I can't, like I keep writing them down, I'm going to go try that one, and then I get to the next picture. So I don't really have like 100 days to try these, do I? No. Well, and that's the thing, because in, 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 in and I did some numbers, I did the research on the numbers, so of all the cities participating across Canada and Haiti, there's a couple of cities in Haiti as well, there are 360 total restaurants participating, and as they've broken it down on the website Winnipeg and Kenora, over a third of the restaurants are in the Winnipeg-Kenora region, 121 
Nine of those restaurants, from what I can tell, are not in Winnipeg. There was uh, one in Whitemouth has one, Oak Bank, Jonesy's over in Birds Hill mm-hmm. is in on it, Stony Mountain's got one. There's four in Kenora, and for whatever reason, there's one in Moncton that's been <laughs> just out on an island. That's that's been classified as Winnipeg Kenora, <laughs> Moncton, New Brunswick. But still, a hundred and so that makes 112 restaurants in Winnipeg in the city where it started. Montreal yes. only has 54. Wow. We love our burgers, we love our food, we love our restaurants here, right? Yeah. I love the way they keep coming up. Like, just when you think you've seen it all, I'm looking at one now at Garbanzo's. It's a chicken burger, but the buns are a house-made pizza bun. So. Nice. Every time I keep thinking like, oh, well, what else are you adding to this burger? This one looks amazing. And then when they stick something on the top, I love that. Like an onion ring, piece of bacon. You put a piece of bacon on the top of any burger, I'm voting for it. Put bacon anywhere. Speaking of bacon, uh, have you been to Clementine's for breakfast? No. That is some of the best bacon you will ever see. And if you're a bacon fan and you're a Jerry Lewis fan, actually, you don't even need to be a Jerry Lewis fan. If you're a Jerry Seinfeld fan, the comedians in Cars Having Coffee... With Jerry Lewis, absolutely incredible. I was going to turn it off because I'm not a fan of Jerry Lewis, but Jerry Jerry Seinfeld says if you don't understand and don't like Jerry Lewis, you don't understand comedy. He kind of dared me to watch the episode, and there's a scene they go out and Jerry Lewis has breakfast. You wouldn't believe the amount of bacon this guy used to eat. <laughs> really? It's incredible. So just on that fact alone, I suggest you watching the Comedians in Cars having coffee, the episode with uh, Jerry Lewis. When well, I was in university, I used to go to the residence and just order a bowl of bacon because it was a like a buffet. Wow, good for you. Yeah, well, that's why you get the freshman 15, but you get a bowl of bacon with that every Saturday morning, so I was okay. Well, there was bacon on the burger I did try, because when I saw everybody chowing down at the Grove, I thought, I got to get in on this tomorrow. So I uh, dragged, my, dragged my hungover girlfriend to the Forks, and I, I had the Obi-Wan pierogi at New Burger <laughs> at the Forks. Great name. And uh, the disc- I love the names too, but this is the, the description on the website reads, this is the burger you are looking for. Manitoba Free Range Red Angus Beef, Bothwell Cheddar, Nitrate-Free Candied Manitoba Bacon, Sautéed Onions, Homemade crispy potato thins topped off with creamy herb sour cream on a locally baked brioche bun. And the great thing, too, is my girlfriend's vegetarian, so she asked if they could make it veggie. They swapped out the beef patty for, uh, I think it's like a chickpea patty, and they took the bacon off. So a lot of these places, you can still go if you're vegetarian, but try the burgers. So there's not an actual pierogi, right? It's like the potato is that you're yeah. with the sour cream and stuff. It looks, your pit. you sent us a photo. I love the way you also got fries with that, just in case you wanted to Oh yeah. add a few more carbs to it. Well, and as it turns out, I maybe I shouldn't have gotten fries because there were three other places just at the Forks alone. Caillou Grill has one called Lamborghini Mercy, and it had something on where they stick they stuck a fried pickle on top of the burger. Uh, Corto had something called the Corleone, and then Fusion Sushi has a Matsu Beef Katsu burger. So, like, just in the Forks, there's four places to get in on the Burger Week. There actually was a group of people next to me, and they were they had gone and gotten them all, and they were cutting them up. Great that's a idea. Good idea. And yes. then sharing them with everybody. You know, I haven't been to the Common yet, because that's not really the scene, right, with the kids, but... Uh... I hear that place is packed. Like, even in the middle of a weekday, it's tough to get a spot at the Common at the Fork. So was it busy yesterday? Oh, yeah, it was packed. And uh, they had this nice little bar with, uh, I think, 20 different kinds of craft beer and specialty wines. 
I don't get to the Forks Market enough, and I and I as I walked in, I thought, oh, I'm missing out. There's so much deliciousness here. Red Ember has that uh, pizza place there. I want to try them, and there was an ice cream place, and now I'm getting hungry again. And there's another burger I want to try. Sadlery on Market has a Bison Burger mac and cheese. Doodad. So, what's your limit on Burger Week? Do you have a strategy? Is it or is it more just like spontaneous, and you want to yeah. just hit? I, 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 some people are like, I'll go. We'll go out and try three a day. I just I don't have time, oh. and I can't. Your I'll heart so on three a day seems yeah. like that might be. I mean, there's a lot of fried goods in these. Some of them look really healthy, and some of them just look breaded deliciousness with salt and did, yummy. Did, did I hear mac and cheese? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. yeah. I had lobster mac and cheese at uh, Resto Gar two Fridays ago. I think I'm ready to go back. I think I'm going to go there for lunch this week. Really? <laughs> it was oh, so good. It's calling him. Right now, we want to actually direct your attention to the 680 CJOB Facebook page because producer Kyle has put together a bracket, we talk about back-to-school stuff, of his favorite school movies, 32 movies for you to pick from. And there's obviously no shortage of good ones to pick from. He actually asked for my input, and I looked at the list and thought, no, that's good. And then I sent him an email saying, oh, you forgot this one. Oh, and here's another email. Oh, no, here's another four. I just started, like, once I got that boulder rolling, I started to remember all these movies. So when it comes to movies about school, no shortage of good ones to pick from. So I took off my Spider-Man hat. That's right, I'm wearing a Spider-Man hat this morning. And I put on my couch potatoes hat and narrowed it down to my top five. How do you pick a top five list for movies about school when there are so many good ones? I grew up in the 80s, and just in that decade alone, off the top of my head, I can rattle off Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Breakfast Club, Teen Wolf, even Summer School, starring a young Mark Harmon before he became a Navy cop who investigates stuff. For my number five, I'm going to go with Nerds. 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 Nerds! What is a nerd? (laughs) From 1984, Revenge of the Nerds, about a group of nerds in college who fight back against the jock frat boys, that would be the Alpha Betas, and the mean girls in the sorority, Pi Delta Pi. (laughs) Revenge of the Nerds 2 in 1987 was also fun. With VIPs. Right here. Very immense penises. At number four from 2007... Super bad. Tonight is our last party as high school people. You know when you hear girls saying like, oh, I was so shit-faced last night. I shouldn't have f***ed that guy. We could be that mistake. Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah just want to throw a party and get some before high school's over, but everything goes wrong. Also, the movie gave us McLovin. My brand new fake ID. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? Doesn't even have a first name, it just says McLovin. This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. I am McLovin. At number three from 1978, the original raunch comedy, Animal House. We gotta do something. Absolutely. You know what we gotta do? Toga Toga party. party. We're on double secret probation, whatever that is. We can't afford to have a toga party. You guys up for a toga party? 
It was a huge movie for the time, making $141.6 million. Adjusted for inflation, that's $555.1 million today, making it one of the most successful R-rated movies ever. It's not going to be an orgy. It's a toga party. At number two, I'm cheating a little bit with this one because it's not really about school, but it is about high schoolers. One of the best scary movies of all time, Scream. Hello? Hello? Who is this? Tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. Uh, I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? I'll do some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh-huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Scream features a knife-wielding lunatic in a mask stalking high school students in suburbia. It was not only scary, it was also a dark comedy and a clever satire of the slasher genre in general. It was so successful, it spawned three sequels. Do you like scary movies? What's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act. She's always running up the stairs and she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. Finally at number one... Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 8.25? Precisely. Damn. I'm late for school. From 1985, Back to the Future. Maybe I'm stretching here. And yes, I included this in my top five lost and found movies last year. But Marty McFly gets to go back in time and back to school with his parents. That's pretty cool. Marty! Hey, George, buddy, you weren't in school. What have you been doing all day? Last night, Darth Vader came down from Planet Vulcan and told me that if I didn't take Lorraine out, that he'd melt my brain. Yeah, well, uh, let's let's just keep this brain-melting stuff to ourselves, okay? And he gets to see his principal from 1985. Hasn't changed all that much back in 1955. Hey, up, man. You're a slacker. Do you want to be a slacker for the rest of your life? Those are my favorite school movies. Check out Kyle Milroy's Bracket and vote for your favorite. I'm Brett McGarry from the Couch Potatoes on 680 CJOB. You can see that bracket right now. Well done. On the Facebook page. Greg was happy that I mentioned summer school. Mm -hmm. You like summer school? I love summer school. And Mark Harmon, uh, I have to admit, is one of my... One of my favorite actors. There's just something about him. He's so charming, handsome, and and quite talented. Yeah, I, I remember watching that movie like, I don't know, a dozen times when I was a kid. Probably wasn't appropriate for a kid to be watching, but whatever. Uh, but I remember, I remember the two guys who were always in, they were into like prosthetics and all the horror uh, stuff. The, the That's special right, effects. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good movie. Uh, so yeah, the uh, Loren, you've got the bracket in your yeah. hand here. The great thing about it is that it kind of runs like all sorts of generations. So you mentioned Super Bad. There's also Mean Girls, which I think a lot of people would think of. Pitch Perfect, which is a bit more recent, and I love any movie that you can sing along to. Sixteen Candles, you're going way back to. Yeah. Old school, School of Rock. They're that, pitted against each oh, other. That's, oh, that's that's so tough. That that could be like a semifinal. 
if you ask me. So Kyle's made it really difficult to to vote for these. Oh, and, and I see uh, what good he's, on him for that. And I see what he's done here. There's almost a theme in every pairing. Back to the Future against Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay, so time got, travel. And then Scream and Carrie are mm, going head to head. Mean Girls and done. Heathers is the same sort of idea, right? Both American were... Pie versus American Graffiti. He's so clever, that Kyle Milroy. Yeah, so I, interesting uh, seating on this. So good for you, Kyle. So you can see that at the Facebook page and you can listen to that feature again if you missed a couple minutes of it or what have you. And we'll have this bracket, I guess, will go through the week as we talk about back to school this week and then we'll crown a champion <laughs> later in the week, I After suppose. After seeing this list, now that you've put your piece together, Brett, which was amazing, and then you see this list, I know you, you had it originally. Have you gone back and forth with your number one or was that a hard number no. one all the way through? Hard yeah? number one, back to the future. For, well, it's... It's one of my favorite movies, period. So I could probably find a way to put it into almost any list. <laughs> if we do a movie list next year, I'll find a way to get back to the future in. Loren, your number one? Whew, um, I've gone back and forth. I would have to go between Mean Girls and honestly, don't laugh at me, Billy Madison. Hey, that's oh, okay. Fast times at Bridgemont High. I don't even think it's close for me, but that's just my age. Me showing my age. What's the name of the, what's the, name of the actress? Ah, the brunette. Phoebe Phoebe Cates. Phoebe, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's all we really need to say about that. (laughs) The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.